I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. G'day and welcome to the call. 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is the 29th of May. It's a Monday here at Ausbiz. I'm Andrew Gagan. Thanks so much for joining us. Our two experts on the show today, David Lane from Ord Minute and Daniel Otizi from Stock Doctor. Welcome to both of you. Um, David, we can sort of move away now and forget about what, well, possibly what's happening about the, uh, the debt ceiling in the States and actually focus on yes. other things that really matter to investors. What, what are you focused on at the moment? Yeah, well, I, I have to say I can't be overly surprised that they did come to an agreement. Um, we seem to go through this on a regular basis in the US that they uh, go down to the wire on the debt ceiling and ultimately they end up coming to an agreement. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's one of those things that's now in the past. Um, but as you say, focusing on, on more important matters, I think you know, probably the bigger issues over in the US are the, the fact that the Fed has to continue to, to raise rates over there. Uh, and from the stock market point of view, we've seen a, a pretty strong reaction uh, in, in the short term, but even you know, most of this year that the market's been fairly strong. But predominantly, that's been in eight stocks. Uh, so that the rest of the the market hasn't necessarily been as strong as the, uh, the tech giants have been. So, um, yeah, it gives us uh, probably a you know a, a bit of caution at the moment and an opportunity to to look at taking some profits over there at, at present. Yeah, and Daniel, uh, we're going to have to look at what's going on locally on the on our market today. Bit of a relief rally there, I guess that was also in evidence. Uh, we saw on global markets on Friday as well, and uh, certainly been led by the the mining sector today. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, another year, another increase in the debt ceiling for America. And we're probably more focusing on um, what's going on in, in company trading updates because it seems to be that no one's really focusing on, on a lot of the poor updates coming through uh, on the Aussie market. So, yeah, from our perspective, we're probably looking a little bit at more of the micro rather than the macro and trying to find which companies we think will be reporting earnings tailwinds uh, into the full year result rather than, you know, a headwinds or a peak in earnings. So that seems to be our focus at the moment. All right. Well, our focus uh, for the first half of the show will be on Transurban, Lindsay Australia, Orica, Sigma Healthcare and SmartPay. There are the five stocks we're going to look at in the first half of the show. Now, our stock of the day is ALS, ticker code ALQ, has reported an underlying continuing profit of $321 million for FY23, up almost, well, just over 23% on the prior year. Statutory net profit after tax uh, jumping some 53% to $291 million. The company delivering underlying continuing revenue of $2.4 billion. That's an increase of more than 19% because of strong performances in its environmental, geochemistry and metallurgy businesses and supported by acquisitions made within its life sciences division. 
uh, declaring a partially frank dividend of 19 cents a share. So, uh, Daniel, first to you. Look, this is in, um, it's sort of, I guess you could call it mining services, couldn't you, as essentially? Um, how do you look at uh, ALS? Well, not surprisingly, the, the best part of this business and the result and, and the, certainly the most profitable is that mineral testing, uh, the commodity segment. So, look, that, that's had another stellar year of performance there. And if you listen to what, you know, the mining companies are saying or the juniors in terms of exploration, you know, the, there is still a backlog um, dating back to almost, you know, a year and a half ago now in, in assay sampling and things like that. So, that part of the business is, it seems to be extremely strong and that's the real earnings driver because uh, it is double the market of the life science testing. Um, but yeah, there was some some a little bit weakness in some of the, the margins there for life science, which is probably why the stock is down a little bit today. We probably think that, you know, it's, it, it grew this year, but next year growth will be pretty hard to come by. Expectations are quite low. I think consensus is pricing in around something between 5% earnings growth uh, for FY24. So it goes to show that, you know, this business will struggle to grow unless it has some uh, further increase in capacity and, and demand in that commodity segment. Um, so for that reason, we're probably leading towards a hold on this stock. Um, having said that, if you start to see some acquisitions come through, then there will be upgrades to come. So certainly keep it on the watch list. Okay, so a hold there for you for ALS. Uh, David, your thoughts? Yeah, fairly similar sort of views. I think that uh, the, the, the result was actually a very good result today. Uh, you know, shows some strong growth. Um, but as Daniel said, I think it's probably the, the best the best year is behind it. Um, our forecasts are that they'll have some fairly flat earnings in the next 12 months. And what we've seen in the mining services area is that, yes, there's been a lot of activity as far as existing mines are concerned, but it hasn't been a lot of investment in new mines. So the growth trajectory is, is you know, relatively flat there. Um, as Daniel said, in, the, in the, the margins in the life sciences haven't been as strong. So we actually think from a valuation point of view, the stock's been trading too high. Uh, we've actually got a sell recommendation on it. Uh, our valuation on the stock is about $8.40, so still well below where they're currently trading at. Uh, and we have seen the share price weaken a little bit recently with, uh, I think, other investors looking at taking some profits as well based on the, you know, the, the previous strength in the price. All right, so a sell from you. That is ALS, our stock of the day, a hold and a sell uh, for your consideration. All right, so let's get into the stocks as picked by you. Uh, the first one picked by Ben is Transurban uh, in that uh, that infrastructure play. Um, David, what are you seeing here with uh, with Transurban at the moment? How sort of defensive is this stock, do you feel? Well, it is very defensive and, and they do uh, benefit from the fact that most of the tolls, um, particularly in Australia, are linked to CPI. Um, they do have three toll roads in the US and interestingly, they don't have set pricing. So they've actually got dynamic pricing. Um, and one of the things that they've found was that the, the toll roads in the US were more impacted post-COVID than the Australian ones were. Um, but in the March quarter, they've managed to increase their pricing by about 41%. Uh, that's due to their dynamic pricing and the fact that as they have higher volumes on the roads, they can increase their pricing. Um, so it is a, a quality business. As you said, it's defensive and has long-term uh, you know, income that comes through. 
But I guess our problem with the stock at the moment, we've got a lighten recommendation on it, is again that valuation piece. It's trading at twelve uh, that fourteen seventy one. Our valuation is about twelve fifty on that, um, yielding about four point two percent. So it's an okay yield, but not extraordinary. Um, and interestingly, I was looking at some of the the wholesale bonds that are on offer. There's a, a bond that goes out to 2031, uh, which has a yield of about 6.2% on it. So if you are looking for exposure to transurban with that long-term income, maybe having a look at some of the bonds uh, may be a way of actually playing the, that um, that stock. That's for wholesale investors. Uh, but, you know, that may well be a better way than, than the actual stock itself. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, interesting way to play it. Um, so, Daniel, what are your thoughts then on Transurban? Oh, look, I think it's very hard to, to really find the positives or, or at least the reason to buy this stock from an equity holder's point of view because, you know, David just touched on it, there's better returns out there for, for lower risk. So, I think it's very hard um, to really justify this in terms of an equity point of view. The, the real reason why I think retail investors like this stock is because like you said, Andrew, it is considered defensive. It's very easy to understand the business. And if you look at the performance over the last 10, 15 years, it's, it's obviously been uh, quite extraordinary, but we're heading into a very different environment uh, in terms of interest rates, in terms of the cost of capital. So I think it would be extremely difficult for, for the business to, to keep up, you know, any form of double digit return. So I think if you're, if you're looking for a, a low risk, you know, um, yielding asset around four five percent, You've got bonds. You've also got term deposits. So, you know, don't feel the need to simply be in a stock just because you think it's defensive. Um, consider the total return on offer because there's there's greater options out there, I think, at the moment. So your recommendation for the stock specifically, Daniel, is? Oh, look, I'd have to give it a sell. I just don't okay. think the, the relative returns are good enough here. Yep, fair enough. Okay, both seeing the negative uh, just as far as uh, future earnings there for Transurban. All right, let's uh, move on then to our second stock. It is Lindsay Australia, this one picked by Sasha. Uh, It is uh, Integrated Transport and Logistics. Uh, Also has has a rural segment that uh, that sells and distributes ag supply products um, at the same time. So, um, Daniel, uh, just taking a look at the share price, goodness, uh, over the past year, it's up more than 200%. Although it looks as though it's just coming off. What are your thoughts? Uh, this has been, yeah, an extraordinary performer. It's one that I think has been brought up a few times on the call. and It was brought up quite early on. So perhaps maybe we have to go back and, and look at that original person who asked the question and, and say, you know, thanks for bringing it up to everyone's everyone's interest. But I think the real reason why this stock has outperformed so much is, is really the, the administration of Scott's refrigeration. So I just looked at their recent announcement to the market and they had a, a, an earnings update, uh, an update to guidance in the range of an extra t- uh, 20 to 30% just based off the recent business one uh, off of the, uh, the Scott's refrigeration um, collapse. So clearly that's a massive tailwind for these guys specifically like you said Andrew in that rural area um, and in cold storage transportation as well and 
not sure how closely um, you might have followed the news, but there was actually some concerns around whether there'd be enough um, uh, enough capacity within logistics in those areas uh, to keep the goods flowing because you know Scotts was a pretty pretty significant player. So great to see these guys executing well. They've flagged for continued growth. I think even now, you know, the, the stock's trading on around four to five times EBITDA, EBITDA, which look realistically is well priced for this type of uh, of business. That's around where its peers trade. So you know you will need to see the next leg up of growth to, to continue this strong share price momentum, which I think will be hard to do. It's very hard to back up you know, a record year like this with the circumstances it's been under. So I think you can certainly hold the stock for now, but perhaps, you know, temper your expectations. I don't think you're, you're going to have, you know, this, the same type of year in FY24 as you are in FY23. So yeah, just, just be aware of, of those one-off benefits. Yeah, as you mentioned, particularly given the collapse of Scott's, which is clearly uh, benefited the company. Um, okay, David, Lindsay, Australia. Yeah, it's a stock that uh, that we at Ords have liked for a long time, and and still have a buy recommendation on it. Uh, our analyst has just upgraded it to a a dollar forty target price from a dollar ten, uh, and that's predominantly based on the. Yeah, the, the issues related to Scots, as as you uh, mentioned, but what that's done for Lindsay is it's given it the company additional volumes, but it's also given them the opportunity to buy some of the the Scots assets, uh, specifically in the rail segment, which um, you know Lindsay Australia is a, a business that has been very very strong and capacity constrained so they, they weren't able to get enough trucks on the roads and also not able to get enough um, rail capacity so we think that they've probably got about another 400 rail containers through the, the Scots um, acquisition uh, which will give them additional capacity on on the uh, on the, the rail network which um, you know from the, the refrigerator transport business um, puts it in very good stead. So, yeah, we still think that the business has has further upside uh, and that, you know, that 24% upgrade that, that management recently had um, could well be followed by further upgrades in the future. So it's a stock that we still like at, at current levels. Have you, have you got a sort of rough target price on it at all, given just how far it's moved? Yeah, $1.40 is our, our target price. Right. Um, yeah, so upgraded from $1.10. So it's getting close to that. Uh, so, you know, it is probably a company that you, you might look at, um, you know, if there's a bit of a weakness in the market or weakness in the share price that you might look at buying it on uh, you know, a bit cheaper price. Yep. Okay. All right. That is Lindsay Australia. Let's uh, move on to Orica. Once again, in that mining services area, it is the explosives uh, company, uh, you know, acquiring oil and gas, particularly in the mining space. Uh, David, I'm just taking a look at the share price. Hasn't really gone anywhere in the past, well, I guess um, since, since the outbreak of COVID where it sort of dipped and then hasn't really recovered mm. from that point. No, that's right. It's been a, a difficult business. Um, their last result was better in that it uh, it recorded a, a profit, but the previous half was was a loss of about eighty four million dollars. So, uh, you know, Orica is in that, as you said, that chemical and explosives space. Um, similar, I guess, to, to ALS in that they are somewhat constrained by the the, the growth in mining. Uh, and as I said earlier, we've seen good activity in existing mines, but really over the last 
mining boom, if you like, there hasn't really been any investment in new mines. So the growth of Orica is is somewhat limited. Um, we've got a hold recommendation on it. Our valuation is about sixteen dollars fifty, uh, and think that it's it's an okay business, but yeah, there's there's probably better better opportunities around the market at, at present. Better opportunities where, particularly, I guess, if you're looking at mining services. Yeah, well, in, in mining services, it, it I guess is a uh, a very cyclical area. Um, you know, I guess there probably aren't too many stocks in that segment specifically that we're recommending at present. Mm. I'd probably be looking at uh, at the miners themselves and and looking at. Um, you know, the likes of South 32, which has a fairly diversified exposure, uh, as well as, you know, some of the lithium miners that, that look appealing at, at not only current levels, but also longer term. Um, you know, the likes of Orkham under a takeover or merger at the moment, but we still think that it's got some reasonable growth prospects over the, the longer term. Yep. All right. Yeah, strangely enough, our list of 10 stocks today, and we don't have a mining stock in there, it's <laughs> which is not great for you, Daniel. <laughs> unusual. Um, but it is very unusual. And today's the day too, because uh, they are uh, off to the races there, particularly in the mining sector with um, those big miners up, you know, BHP, Fortescue, Rio, they're all up more than 2%. Obviously, we saw a pick up with the iron ore price. But anyway, I digress. Uh, okay, so Daniel then, um, what are your thoughts on Orica? Yeah, I was just going to say, Andrew, it's, it's funny that you have a, a week of weakness in the sector and no one wants to ask any questions about it after performing so strongly for yeah. the last year. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a funny sector, the mining one. But in terms of Orica, look, it, it's, it's a business I'd be a lot more favorable on um, over ALS because I think, that, you know, the, the earnings um, recovery cycle. So really it, what, what Orica is, is a, is a margin recovery kind of story. Um, EBIT margins and explosives have been quite suppressed for probably the last three or four years um, due to probably some some weak demand. And a lot of the explosives goes to the coal sector. So over the last few years, that that really took a big, um, a big dive, but obviously started to recover in the last 12 months. And if you look at the metrics that they show in the presentations, if you look at, you know, revenue per tonne, um, operating earnings per ton, they are all trending upwards. And I think there is genuine potential for some margin expansion here. So the commentary from management is talking about, you know, uh, renegotiating contract pricing higher. Obviously, the cost input costs in terms of gas and ammonium nitrate are all coming down as well. So I think there's genuine upside for this for this stock. And, um, you know, everyone talks about the, the potential in decarbonisation, the potential in copper, in nickel. But, you know, no one really wants to look at kind of the mining services plays that that are going to to help um, really facilitate this transition. So I think Orica is a great way to play it. Um, clearly, it's the it's the number one player in explosives and has some of the best technology as well um, out there. And if, if anyone's interested, look at uh, some of the videos they have of their tech in the Cadia mine, um, the Newcrest mine, which is really just amazing the way that they operate that. So I think this is a buy. I think if you look at FY24 earnings, this is going to continue to grow, unlike a company like ALS. So I think it's still got a little bit to, to run here. All right. Um, okay, so that's a buy from you. So David, what was your recommendation on it? Uh, we've got a hold recommendation on Orica okay. at the moment. Yep. All right. That is Orica. Let's uh, let's then move on to Sigma Healthcare. This one picked by uh, Ezra. And uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. Um, look, it is uh, for sort of pharmaceutical distributor, wholesaler, franchiser. Um, 
it's actually it's pulled back a bit, hasn't it, just as far as its exposure there with down to two brands, Amcal and Discount Drug Stores, and also phasing out the brand in, in Guardian. Um, so how do you view Sigma Healthcare? Oh, it's, it's an incredibly tough industry and it's been notorious for, you know, very, very low margins. I think three or four percent EBITDA margins. So it's it's an incredibly difficult um, industry to operate in. Now, these guys have, have historically had, you know, quite a few issues with, um, you know, failing brands, losing market share. Obviously, they're, they've won and lost the, the chemist warehouse contract a few times. And it really just goes to show the difficulty of this industry. Um, I think why the share price went on a bit of a run was I think um, HMC Capital was was uh, quite interested in acquiring some of the property assets of this business. Uh, it does carry quite a bit of property, um, but it, it's probably not marked realistically to value because they're, they're, you know, valued you know historically at cost and the property prices have gone up quite significantly since then so that would be the bull case for this stock you know if you're hoping for some type of m a revival um around there but in in my view you know if you if you're betting on m a it's just a little bit too difficult i think at this point in the cycle and just given how complex and how tough the industry is and obviously you have api now under the west farmers banner they're going to have a lot more balance sheet power to, to fund um, their investments and, and so on in the industry. So, yeah, from our view, it's probably a sell as well. It's just far too difficult, I think, and put in the too hard basket. All right. Um, well, yeah, nothing wrong with that. If it's, you're finding it too difficult, then why have it? Um, all right, David, do you agree? Sigma? Yeah, pretty much do agree. Um, our recommendations are light and, uh, and, and we put that... Uh, recommendation on when they hit about 72 cents so um, thankfully that's that's sort of been a, a reasonable call they've come back a bit now um, they're now trading at about our, our valuation but as Daniel said the margins are, are fairly light um, they have been losing market share so yeah it's probably a, a stock to, to steer clear of as I said, our our recommendation is lightened, which effectively means that if you've got it in your portfolio, you you take some profits and and maybe hold some. Um, but yeah, if you don't ha- already have it in your portfolio, I, I certainly wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be buying it at present. Okay, is that sort of apply to the to the broader sector? I guess you're seeing there at the moment. Yes, well, we're, we'll talk about EBOS in the, yes. in the next part. But yep. uh, <laughs> without stealing our thunder there, yeah, it's, it is a very tough um, segment to, to be in, I think. Yeah, all right. Uh, you flagged that, EBOS. That is part two that we're going to take a look at uh, in the second <laughs> half of the show. So stand by for that. All right, so uh, that's Sigma Healthcare. Let's uh, then move on to Smart Pay. This one picked by Ron. Uh, it is uh, the financial technology, um, specifically in Australia and New Zealand, one of the largest independent EFTPOS um, providers. Um, David, how do you view Smart Pay? Yeah, it's not a company that we cover officially at odds, um, but their result, the, they've announced their result, was was actually quite a good one. They're, they're, they are profitable, um, only a, a fairly small profit, uh, and they do have a little bit of cash on their balance sheet. Uh, so it's, it's an okay business, relatively small. Uh, their share price, as you see there, is, is done very well. Um, I would probably prefer Tyro in that in that. Um, sector and we, you know, that is a stock that, that we do like. We've got a buy recommendation on Tyro. Uh, it's a bigger business, and um, you know, Smart Pay has done well in their in their sector. But you know, probably looking at taking profits at, at current prices if you've got it. All 
All right, Daniel. Yeah, this has been a, another really uh, success story, small cap success story, similar to, to Lindsay. So there have been a few really bright spots uh, in the market over the last 12 months. Um, and, you know, the, I remember looking at this stock back when back when Tyro floated, I think, a few years ago and, and really trying to figure out, well, how do these guys survive? Because it has such a tiny market share. It was primarily in New Zealand back then. Um, you know, it's not really too flash in terms of technology. It's, it's a very simple operating model. Um, and basically, their strategy was to just land and expand. So they, they really innovated. And I think they were the first to offer um, the no-fee terminal to small business providers. So it was essentially um, a no-monthly fee for, for the merchant, for the, for the small business owner. And then they'd essentially charge an extra few percentage points on the transaction and essentially clip the ticket. So they really pioneered that strategy and um, how they expanded market share so fast in Australia because, you know, I think there's a bit of a misconception here that, you know, once a business signs up to one of these terminals, they're kind of locked in. Well, reality is that the switching costs are, are quite low, especially if you're, you know, say a local cafe and maybe have one or two locations, you know, it's it's not really too hard to swap and integrate. Um, so, yeah, they, they did a great job in that land and expand. But now thinking, and perhaps it's the cynicist in me looking, you know, where to from here? What is the upside from here? It's already trading at, I think, 60 times current year's earnings, probably realistically, um, you know, you'd hope they'd at least double their earnings next year. I think the expectations are really high. And I just think similar to, to Sigma, you know, the competition in this industry is so fierce. Obviously, you've got the big four banks, Tyro, Square, but then you have those other low cost, cheap providers. And I, I was doing a bit of a search before because if you go into, you know, a local pub, you'll see a variety of brands eway zella verifone they're all offering essentially you know the same product so it's very hard to differentiate and, and that's probably being the reason why i would look to, to take profits here i just think the future growth is going to be too hard to come by all right so I take that as a light or you're just selling it basically i'd be happy with selling it and looking for for a new venture to go on andrew all right what's that new venture <laughs> well, at the moment, at the moment, probably leave it in the in the term deposit at five percent because right. yeah, mar- markets are, are still still in a bit of a choppy water period for us. I think. Yep, fair enough. Okay, all right. So that's our our first five. Let's uh, sum up where we've been. Of course, with our stock of the day, it was uh, ALS in the mining services uh, sector. Uh, Daniel's got a hold on it. David selling. Um, both technology does have a good result, but see, perhaps the best is now behind it for the company at the moment. And therefore, uh, that's why they're a little more negative just as far as the outlook for ALS is concerned. All right, uh, the first uh, five we looked at beginning there with, uh, with Trans Urban, the toll road operator. And um, Daniel's uh, lightening it, whereas uh, David is uh, selling the stock. Um, David's essentially saying pretty hard to find the positives going forward for for Transurban. Lindsay Australia, the um, integrated transport and logistics company, particularly with a focus on uh, on the rural space, there a hold there from um, from Daniel. Uh, although David has a buy on it, and both point to the fact that the business has benefited from the collapse of uh, of Scotts, uh, the, the logistics firm, the refrigerator logistics firm. So it's picked up that business. Uh, Orica, yeah, the explosives and mining services uh, company, and uh, it's a hold there from uh, David, uh, saying it is constrained by growth in the mining sector. And Daniel, he's actually uh, he's got a buy on it. But um, he does uh, 
does favour it over ALS. So there you go, just a point of difference there for Orica. Sigma Healthcare, um, Daniel's got a sell on it, saying, look, it's just too difficult at the moment in that business. And David, similarly, he's got a Lighten. And just finally there, Smart Pay. Look, um, it's not one that uh, that Ord really covers, so well, that's a miss there from David, whereas Daniel uh, saying, look, it has, is a small cap success story. That said, though, he does have a sell on the stock. So that's our first five. All right, now, of course, we are tracking our own high conviction uh, portfolio here, picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in on the portfolio update. Now, going into May, 1% were trimmed from Macquarie, West Farmers and Elders. 1% was added to each of WiseTick Global, MA Financial, and also the cash holding. Uh, Aspermont replaced by Kelsey and Group, 4% there. So checking in on its performance thus far, our fund is almost 8.5% higher on a cumulative return basis. That's since its inception on the beginning of March last year. So keep sending in your requests, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee we're looking at next. All right, next up, we'll be looking at EBOS, Ansel, Sky Network, Hello World, and Experience Co. All right, so let's kick it off with uh, with EBOS. Now, this we flagged this a little earlier, given it's uh, in the pharmacy and health distribution uh, channel, which uh, we were talking about a little earlier, which uh, may be proving to be a little difficult at this point. So, uh, David, let's uh, kick it off with you then. Um, EBOS, how, how does that uh, compare, certainly, with, um, with Sigma Healthcare? Yeah, well, they've done uh, well as far as the, the market is concerned because they've picked up the uh, the Chemist Warehouse um, brand or, or contract from uh, previously with Sigma. So that has been positive for EBOS and they've made a lot of acquisitions over the last couple of years. So the business itself has grown fairly strongly uh, and the share price has been quite reasonable as well. We, though, think that the 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 business will struggle again with those margins, and about a third of its business is based on the PBS, which um, you know is under a lot of political pressure, and and uh, we've seen a lot of prices decreased there. Uh, so we think that EBOS is is trading above their their fair value. We've got a fair value of, of twenty nine dollars on it, so it's a fair bit above where we think it's valued. So we've actually got a sell recommendation on on EBOS at present. That is a significant difference then. And is that your biggest concern, just what we're seeing with the PBS there at the moment, given that downward pressure on those prices? Yeah, well, the, effectively, the, the, yeah, that does account for a well, significant part of their, their business. But then also, um, yeah, we have seen the... Uh, yeah, the, the the company grow through acquisition in recent times, so that's been a uh, an impact, and and think that um, you know the the margins going forward will be harder to achieve. All right, okay, so that's a negative from you, a, a big sell, Daniel, Ebos. Yeah, it seems like David's call shot the lights out there um, with, that, with that big call on the sell. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think I'm going to make a market here and call it a buy. I oh, think right. The difference with EBOS is, yeah. is that it's a it's a much bigger scale provider. So, yeah, the margins are still slim, but they do a, a far better job in carrying out the distribution network uh, than Sigma does. And unlike Sigma, which has had you know multiple 
changes in management and, and multiple changes in business strategy. And they had that disaster um, with the ERP integration. You know, uh, EBOS has just been steady, um, you know, conducting uh, business as usual each year, growing each year using its scale, using its, its distribution platform. And obviously, they've got the Terry White brand, um, which is a much larger uh, a, a much larger brand than anything Sigma has. So I think it's a great business and a little bit under the radar because you know, there's not much coverage of it. I think it's predominantly a, a New Zealand listed business. So the liquidity can be an issue at times, and, and that will lead to big uh, swings in the price, that, that lack of liquidity. But keep an eye on this because I think one area of the market that you know doesn't really get spoken about much is the pet food segment. Uh, and there are a lot of corporates getting into this area because the returns on offer are, are really fantastic. And they have a few key brands in this area. I think the the profitability is four, is five or six times that of their of their main business. So you can certainly see the earnings leverage start to come through. Uh, and there's a lot of growth to go. So I'm not sure if you've heard of the brands Blackhawk and Vitapet. They're quite popular and, and brand leaders. So I think that's an underrated part of the business and potentially going to lead to earnings growth in the future. Yep. All right. Yeah, that's an interesting segment, isn't it? Because, you know, I've seen, for instance, Bunnings now get into pet food as well. Clearly, they're seen as a growth business, particularly off the back of COVID, where it seems like everyone suddenly has a pet in the household. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really attractive is the returns on offer here, Andrew. Like you're making, I think, close to almost 25, 30% margins on, you know, quite simple manufacturing, uh, a manufacturing business. So, you know, the returns are so high. Why wouldn't you get interested there. And, and once the brands are really established themselves, as a pet owner myself, it's very hard to, to change the brand, especially if you get stuck in, in one of those uh, higher tier brands and you know, you're scared your dog won't eat the, the lower tier stuff anymore. So it can be quite sticky as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. You don't want to take to that Netflix level, do you? Um, yeah, interesting. All right. Uh, that is, uh, is Ebos. Let's now move on to Ansel. Uh, look, this is one of those companies that really did benefit, uh, obviously, during uh, during COVID. Uh, it is the uh, was the protective gloves and the like uh, that we saw uh, them make. But uh, since that point, of course, uh, they've uh, a little more realistic, just I guess, as far as the its outlook and its stock price is concerned. Uh, Daniel, what's your view on Ansel then? Yeah, I think you you really summed it up well there, Andrew. Obviously, a big COVID winner. Um, the key the key kind of downfall of this stock recently was that there was a huge overstocking of supply um, in the industry uh, for for gloves, and it wasn't just single use; it was many different types of gloves um, because you know there was just simply a massive fall off in demand. So the the product was still there, and we're still being impacted by that destocking. So that's what's really caused uh, headwinds for this stock. It seems like, based on management's commentary, you know we're we're starting to see the end of that. Um, but now they're facing the new issues of an increased tax rate in Sri Lanka, which is where some of their manufacturing comes from, uh, and increasing input costs. So it's kind of just one one bad thing after another for Ansel at the moment. But having said that, you know, I think it is a, a decent business, it's a fine business, and it's really come back, you know, to, to pre-COVID levels here. So I think we originally sold out, you know, after that COVID bump at around $28, $30 a share. It's, you know, we've kind of come back to that area. So, you know, I think you'd be happy to hold it for now. Um, certainly, the valuation supports a hold. It's only trading at about 15, 16 times forward earnings, which is you know roughly in line with the business's historical average. Uh, but I think it's just going to be difficult to see uh, you know any form of earnings upside in the next six months. So you've got to be a bit patient with this one. Yep. Okay, David. 
Yeah, pretty much agree with uh, with that view that uh, we've downgraded Ansel to a hold when they had their their share price improvement in in March and April, um, and do think it's a it's a good business. We think that the margins will improve probably about to fifteen percent over the next uh, year or so, um, but it does have a very strong balance sheet. They're currently doing a buyback at the moment, and there is the potential that the company looks at further acquisitions, and that could give it a, a bit of growth over the the longer term um but as daniel said current prices um not not overly compelling value we think that the fair value is about 30 dollars. so yeah we've got a whole recommendation on on ansel at the moment yep okay it's interesting in fact we've got another stock coming up um that was uh we, we talk about sort of COVID winners and and losers and and do you, I mean, do either of you sort of look at a stock that did benefit during COVID that has actually managed to hold on to those gains and build a business off the back of that? Yeah, well, we think that, that Ansel is one of those businesses, if you like, that they, they yes, absolutely were a beneficiary from their, um, you know, their healthcare PPE, but it also meant that they lost out on their industrial PPE. Now we've actually found it swung the other way. So there's been a lot more industrial activity and their, their industrial PPE has been doing better. Um, and you know, I guess what we're looking for in a business like Ansel over the next couple of years is that both of those, those parts of the business uh, continue to improve. Um, yeah, but there are a, a lot of other businesses who use COVID as a as an opportunity, I, I guess, to slim down and, and reduce their cost base. And then they've, they've actually had, you know, a fairly big um, uplift after that. Um, you know, and the, one of the stocks that we spoke about earlier, Lindsay, would be one of those that they, uh, you know, I guess sprung out of COVID and have been a, a beneficiary since. And we still seem to be, uh, you know, enjoying reasonable economic activity locally and, and they're uh, a beneficiary of that. Yeah, Daniel, I might ask you the same question then, you know, whether you see, have seen any of those businesses that have been COVID winners and have actually managed to capitalise that and continue to build. Yeah, I'd probably call out the pathology providers. From a share price point of view, they've come back. But if you look at Sonic Healthcare, I mean, its balance sheet, it went from fully geared pre-COVID uh, to essentially being uh, not debt-free, but they carry uh, the only loans they have less are, are a very low-cost fixed interest loans. So they, they've done a great job in reducing that balance sheet uh, and they've already started to increase the share buyback program and and uh, get away two or three small acquisitions which have flitten, uh, flew under the radar. So I think that's a really big um, that's a big winner that keeps on winning. Uh, and as well, Oz Clinical Labs has, has really defined themselves as, you know, that, that second, third tier player, uh, really consolidated their market share and pretty much reinvested um, entirely off the back of, of COVID profits. So I think those two companies are pr- probably more likely going to be ones that hold on to their, their market share and their gains. But it just goes to show how difficult it is to pick sustainability and earnings because the majority of these companies, you know, it was discretionary spend. And once that spend falls away, the, the business reverts back to the mean. So it's, uh, I think it's a great case study for any investors to really follow on and understand how earning sustainability plays a part in investing. Yep, great point. All right. Okay, let's move on to our next one. It is uh, Sky Network Television. Not, we're not talking about the one on this side of the ditch. It is in New Zealand, uh, where it's a, uh, well, it is Sky New Zealand, the broadcasting company, pay TV services, satellite and streaming, and so on. 
And David, uh, you take a look at the share price, a bit of a tale of woe over the past five years where it sort of collapsed uh, and then really hasn't recovered. What, what do you say? What do you see with the stock? No, well, as many of the, the TV providers have found, they've uh, you know, had a lot of competition from uh, the streaming services. Um, you know, Sky New Zealand for a long time had a, a monopoly position and did very well, and, and they uh, you know, were able to generate a lot of cash flow prior to about 2015 or so. Um, since then, they've found that the competition from various streaming services has, has impacted them uh, as far as a, a business is concerned. It is still very well capitalised and has a very strong balance sheet. And what we've seen from the company over the last year or two is they've done a capital return of $70 million in November last year. Um, they're currently doing a, a share buyback of $15 million. They have increased their dividend payout. So you know they're now forecasting dividends of, or dividend payments of 20 to 23 million dollars so it's a company that is rewarding its shareholders for um, the, the cash and the balance sheet that it has but i guess the caution that comes with that is the fact that from a management point of view it looks like they can't really see any growth and can't really see any opportunities to invest in so yes on a valuation point of view they look appealing because their pe ratio is about 5.7% and the dividend yield 6.1%. But I'd be cautious about um, looking for too much growth out of the business because it is uh, a very competitive industry and we are continuing to see uh, subscriber numbers on on uh, you know the, the, the um, Netflix and the like going up. So, yeah, I'd probably, we've got a hold recommendation on it. And uh, if you've got it in your portfolio, enjoy that income that comes through. But it's difficult to see too much growth coming out of the business. Okay. A hold there for you for Sky. Daniel. Yeah, look, it's probably not one we've, we've really taken a deep look at um, for, for quite a while. And there's not much coverage out there as well. So it is difficult uh, to get a really great kind of view and outlook on this stock because management hasn't seemed to provide it too much in terms of guidance. So, you know, clearly, like like David said, that Skybox product, which is, you know, essentially like how, you know, we used to have Foxtel um, be, you know, the, the, the be all and end all in Australia that's had the same impact um, in New Zealand, whereby its market share has been seeded slowly, um, but surely to some other uh, service providers. But I think um, the difference that they have there is I think they have more dominion over some of the sports streaming rights. So that will be kind of the the thing that, um, you know, really upholds people's memberships of Skybox, you know, to with, um, withhold their sports memberships uh, and viewing packages. So there is some form of resilience there, but like David said, overall, it looks cheap, but, you know, if you look at every stock in this industry, I'd even point out things like Seven West Media, Nine Entertainment, News Corp, all these stocks look cheap. So I just think if you are going to be interested in this, you have to have a pretty clear and defined investment thesis. You know, one of those could be the capital return initiatives out there in the dividend and the balance sheet, um, the buyback. So potentially there could be some room for upside, but from our point of view, we'd much rather be in, in one of the larger guys um, and which we view as more high quality as well if we want to be in this space. So you're saying in those media stocks, they are looking cheap. I mean, is there any one that you do favour that you would be willing to buy at the moment? I think just News Corp, because of the, the amount of assets it holds, it has the most kind of 
um, variability in terms of outcomes. Like you're not as you're not as beholden um, to purely the advertising market, whereas say you know in nine or seven West, you're going to be a lot more leveraged um, to that advertising market. So I think that could be you know the more defensive play. Mm. Uh, and of course, you have the potential for some of the assets split ups there. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in in what Murdoch's going to do going forward. So you know if there is starting to be some asset divestiture, you know that that will be. Um, a great move for, for the stock price for sure. Yep. Okay. So just as far as Sky, then you're you're just not interested. So it's a no then from you. Look, it's a no, but I could see if you held this stock at the moment, you know, you, you'd be inclined to hold it because the balance sheet looks okay. You're still getting a dividend, uh, and and you know the value looks relatively in line with peers. So no obvious reason to sell just yet, um, but you know certainly not one I'd be thinking as a long term you know quality hold. Yep. Fair enough. Okay. Right, let's uh, move on to Hello World Travel. Uh, this one picked by Andy. Uh, it's, um, well, look, you know, we know what's going on, particularly post COVID, where we've all returned to travel both domestically and internationally. Um, so you would think perhaps that these businesses have benefited as a result. Yet, um, Daniel, you take a look at the share price. Once again, it sort of struggled to get any momentum there. Yeah, it's certainly recovered off the low, but if mm. you look pre-COVID, um, you know, it does still look like it's trading well below its previous valuation. I'm not too sure if there's been, you know, for example, uh, material cap raises or things of the like uh, to really dilute shareholders because I, I haven't been too familiar with the history of the business. Um, but, you know, if we, if we look at the current point in time, uh, the valuation does look, you know, relatively quite full. I think it's trading on about next year's Earnings around 18, 19 times. So, you know, it does look relatively, um, relatively priced in uh, at, at the moment. And especially in terms of where you look at, you know, larger, more what I would consider quality companies like a Webjet and Flight Center, you know, they're just trading a little bit more dearer at the moment. But you've got to um, give credit where credit's due. And I think Philip Pepe's called this one brilliantly. He's, he's called this one as a, a massive recovery story and, and it's played out. So that's why, you know, that's why you tune into the call. That's why you love Ausbiz because you get those insights. Uh, and that's when you've got to give him a pat on the back. But from us, we think it's probably best days and, and growth is just behind it. So we'd be happy to sit on the sidelines at the moment. All right, but not a, not a hold or if you are there, would you hold it? Look, I think you can hold it because you know the, the momentum is so strong in earnings. Similar to Lindsay, um, I would give it the the same sentiments. Hold it while the momentum is there, but start planning your exit strategy because I'm not quite sure if this is the type of business you know you want to be holding and putting in the bottom drawer. Yeah. Uh, potentially, we know how difficult it is in a, in a normal operating environment. Uh, the competition in the travel sector. So just think about your exit strategy as well. So, Daniel, are there any favoured ones in the sector, be it uh, Webjet, Flight Centre, Corporate Travel? What are your thoughts there? I think the two that stand out are probably Webjet and Corporate Travel. Corporate Travel has obviously, um, you know, really consolidated their market share and they recently won a massive contract. So it seems like they've got the the next levers for growth as well as just the recovery story. Uh, and Webjet pre-COVID, I mean, that web that web uh, web beds business was was absolutely flying. So that's that's now returning. The margins in that are, are very strong, and I think those are probably the two quality operators um, that I'd be interested in. Yep. Okay, David. Yeah, we uh, we've got a lightened recommendation on Hello World, and that's predominantly based on its its recent share price performance, and think that it's probably a little bit overvalued where it is. Um, they the company has done well out of COVID or post COVID, I should say, uh, and 
they've upgraded their earnings recently. We've upgraded our numbers as well, but based on that share price, as I said, we've got that light and recommendation on it. Uh, it is a business that's got an excellent balance sheet. They've got about uh, $47 million of cash. Plus, they've also got a fairly large holding in corporate travel. So that's worth about $75 million. Uh, so they've benefited both from their own business recovering and from corporate travel. Uh, so, you know, we, we think that it's a, it's a reasonable business. It's continued to buy a lot of uh, smaller travel agencies. Um, but interestingly, I, I guess the dynamics that have been at play in the travel agency industry over the, the last couple of years is that the uh, revenue that they receive from the, the flights or from the airlines is significantly lower. So pre-COVID, the travel agents were getting commissions of about 5% on, on airline travel. Now it's down to about 1%. So they're having to uh, accept lower margins or look at the way that they, they charge their customers. And many are actually moving towards a, a fee-for-service type model. So mm. for that reason, we've got a lighten on, on both Hollow World and Flight Centre. Um, our preference in this segment, in the sector, is is definitely Webjet and think that it's a, it's a great business that, uh, you know, on, online it's doing well. Um, as Daniel said, the Webbeds is, is a great business. Um, so, yeah, we've got a buy recommendation on Webjet and think that it's, uh, it's the preferred exposure in the, in the sector. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, round it out with Experience Co. So uh, we're in the same space there. Uh, it is an adventure tourism uh, firm. Uh, if you want just a little more excitement than just booking your flight, you've actually got to do something when you get to the end. Uh, David, what are you thinking here then? Yeah, it's a business that we like as well. Um, we've got a, a buy recommendation on it. Uh, our target price is, is 42 cents on that. So a uh, fair bit above where they're currently trading and, and think that it, uh, it does have a lot of scope. Predominantly at the moment, they're getting their revenue from domestic tourism. Um, but as as uh, international tourists return, we think that uh, you know, the, the unique experiences that Experience Co have, they've you know, got a lot of treetops type six type experiences and zip lines and um, indoor skydiving, those sorts of action uh, adventure type uh, uh, things. So, yeah, we think that that will uh, attract more international tourism as well and, uh, you know, like Experience Co. So, yeah, we think, you know, obviously it's a, it's a more speculative business. It's a much smaller business, but uh, it does have a, a lot of potential. As I said, if it can reach our target price, um, shareholders would be doing very, very well. Is it, um, what, in terms of ex expansion plans, is it, is it purely sort of concentrated in Australia or is it um, more ambitious plans? <laughs> Yeah, I think at this point it's it's uh, just Australia. So they've um, you've got operations in in North Queensland. Uh, they have been expanding their their indoor um, indoor skydiving uh, around the country. So they they do have some experiences uh, around uh, New South Wales, Victoria as well. So I think at this point in time they are predominantly domestic. But um, yeah, don't know if if they've got plans for, for overseas expansion. Yep. All right. Daniel? Yeah, you can certainly see the recovery story in this one playing out because, like you said, Andrew, you know, you've started to see 
um, the, the major uplift in bookings and flights, but probably haven't seen that come through in experiences. Uh, and certainly from all the presentations and, and notes I've been reading, it seems like they're really calling out the return of the Chinese tourists in Australia. So, you know, that is kind of the hinge. That will be the fulcrum for this stock, whether or not that eventuates. Um, but to me, it seems a little bit more higher up on the risk side, especially they had that Q3 update recently. It seemed to disappoint the market. It was down around 5% on the day and volumes were quite high. I think usually the stock only trades around you know, $20,000 worth of shares per day. So it's too small, too illiquid, and probably one too many question marks on that point of view from us. So, you know, we'd much rather be in, in, in a more defined, established name. But if you are interested in it, just really understand kind of whether or not there is that demand at the moment for experiences. Because from what we've seen in terms of consumer spending, it does seem to be more kind of outbound travel type of destination experiences rather than, you know, the the zoos or, or the, um, the skydiving type of experiences so far. So just really need to understand that dynamic. So that is a what recommendation? Oh, look, from our perspective, we're probably a little bit more on the conservative side. We'd, we'd rather just move on from the stock. There's too many question marks. Yep. Uh, but certainly understand if it's a retailer, you know, retail investor point of view, perhaps, you know, having a pun on that recovery story, then you, you, you'd want to wait and see that play out. Yep. All right. So, but Daniel, if you're looking to take advantage of that rise in inbound tourism, where do you go then? Or do you stick with the ones we've just been talking about, the likes of Webjet and so on? Well, I think those guys, because they don't just book, you know, the the flights, uh, things like that. They have they're booking in hotels, they're booking in um, car rentals, etc. So they're still clipping the ticket across the whole spectrum. So I think that's probably the greatest place to be. But one that I've liked and I think is a little bit underrated, doesn't really get spoken about much at all, is is event hospitality EVT. Um, obviously, you know, it has the, the large cinemas business, and everyone's saying that you know the the cinemas business is dead. But they also have a massive hotels business where the earnings have actually now uh, surpassed where it was in cinemas and. When I look at the metrics there in terms of revenue rates per room and, and occupancy, you know, they, they look really, really strong. So I think that's one that could potentially have some earnings upside. Okay. All right. That is Experience Co. Right. Let's summarize the second half of the show. We began there with uh, EBOS, uh, pharmacy and health distribution business. Uh, David has a sell on it. And as Daniel points out, he's making a market. He has a buy on it. Uh, so two different perspectives there uh, as far as EOS is concerned. Um, Ansel, which was clearly a beneficiary at the height of COVID, um, Daniel pointing out there, yeah, has had issues as far as its overstocking of supply. He's got a hold on it. David also a hold there for Ansel. Still seeing the underlying strength of the business. Sky Network, this is Sky in New Zealand. Um, look, uh, obviously, David there pointing out the competition of streaming, making the business a little more difficult there. Uh, although he does point out a strong balance sheet for Sky. He's got a hold on it. Daniel, though, uh, look, he's not really interested, but say, look, if, if, he's, if it came to it, he would be holding the stock. Uh, but uh, pointing out the media stocks do look cheap in general, but would prefer News Corp in that space. Hello World Travel. Uh, Daniel's got a hold on it, uh, although pointing out perhaps the, the best days are behind it, uh, so more likely to lighten. David is a lighten there uh, in that space, preferring Webjet. And just uh, finally there, Experience Co., as we were talking about, David, a buy, 
uh, certainly seeing that strength emerge there with the resumption of foreign tourists into the country, which are likely to take advantage of what it is offering. Daniel not really interested, though, saying it is a recovery story, but essentially too small. All right, that is our show for today. Uh, David, thanks for joining us for more minute. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Daniel. And uh, Daniel, thanks for joining us some Stock Doctor. Uh, thanks again. It's great to be here. And good to see some, uh, some uh, changes in opinions as well every now and then. Absolutely. As you say, it makes a market. Good one. Thanks, guys. All right. Now, any stocks you'd like us to cover, you can go to ausbiz.co forward slash call picks or you can tweet us at TV. Stay with us. The Pulse is up next. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.